0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi everybody, welcome back to Believe in Temple football podcast, season two. Episode two. I'm John DeCarlo, the editor of Alspook.com, and joining me once again, as he always does, Adam DeMichael, the great former Temple quarterback, Temple assistant coach, and now the the mayor of, of Pittsburgh. We'll call him <laughs> back in his uh, back in the four one two, teaching teaching young players, teaching young quarterbacks, putting kids to bed. What are you not doing right now?
1: Yeah, man, uh, I'm. You know my wife's folding laundry, so um, that's probably the only thing I'm not doing. So I'm sure she's not going to be too happy with me. You're good. But, Are you could you put laundry folder or no? I you know what I I think she 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 have to agree like she'll wash it and I'll I'll fold. Like I have no issues at all folding laundry. There's no doubt in my I'm in my mind. I'm not I'm I'm about a little above average. Sometimes it's not the right yeah. squares that she might like, but I'll get it done. You know what I mean? There's some things I don't, I, you know, I'm not a great cook, John, you know what I mean? She, she might not like that about me, but I'll fold some laundry, man. But man, am I excited about game week? I just, you know, tweeted about it whenever I saw, you know, to see, if we get some questions, but especially being not being at Temple right now, you know what I mean? And not being in a city where I'm able to like dig in on a daily basis. And mm-hmm. here are some of the things, you know, I'm on Twitter just kind of like hitting, hitting buttons to kind of refresh to see what's going on. And I'm, just, you know, fired up for, for this first game. And, um, as much as you know, the Duke faithful think that this is a great game for their first year head coach. I think this is an ideal game for us, you know, mm-hmm. for, for our first year head coach and the team that we have. So man, I'm I'm excited. It's it's good to talk to you again, and you know I'm, I'm I'm ready to get this thing going.
0: Is it does an extra year? Now this is your this is your second year out of out of college coaching, and obviously you're still around the game with the Michael brothers and in your company. And like I said, you're training a lot of young kids. Does it feel like it did last year where you kind of like, does something kick in? We were like, oh, it's game week. I kind of still wish I was coaching or has that worn off a little bit?
1: I, I can't say that it is worn off because like, you know, every day, every day it feels like I'm still, I'm still coaching. Like if you ever see some of the things I post, like, you know, my mm-hmm. sons are playing every sport, hitting every ball. And I'm coaching them on a daily basis. And then, you know, I'm with my brother coaches, as you know, at Montour high school and I stopped mm-hmm. by a couple of their practices and it's just like, yeah, know, tell my wife, hey, I'm going to bring one of the boys up there and then run around a little bit and I'm over there just kind of looking to see what's going on. Just you you want to try to stay as far away as possible, but at the same time, you know, it keeps pulling you back. Mm-hmm. Um, the second year out, man, um, it's a little different. Like, you know, I, I, as I look at this, at this staff and the team, there's some guys that I don't know as I looked at the, you know, the depth chart and I looked at the pictures of the staff and the guys I've never met. So that's a little different. You know what I mean? I'm a little further removed than I was last year because I knew guys and they knew me and you know, I was still fairly close. But um, it's it's still an interesting dynamic, to be honest with you. It, you
0: you said it, and, and this sounds like like a big nothing burger for, for our listeners, but I, I don't know what to make of this of this season opener other than uh, I'm really excited to get down there. We're, we're heading down to, to cover the game. And it's obviously, I agree with you. I, I, it's an interesting opener for both teams. They're both new head coaches, Mike Alco, who in a different world almost could have been your boss for a couple seasons, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and I remember they,
1: that. That name was a a hot name, and uh, I remember talking to a couple of really important people. And they liked, you know, the things that he brought to the table. So um, it's interesting. That definitely could have been the case, right?
0: I think he could have had the job if he wanted it before mm-hmm. before Manny. Had it turned it down, and now Manny Diaz is up in Pittsburgh, and all sorts of stuff has happened since then. But it is Temple's season opener, as as Adam said. Football's back. Temple is at Duke this Friday night uh, for its season opener, and two new head coaches, and Stan Drayton and Mike Elko. Uh, Adam, what what do you think? You know, again, you're not down at the facility, but when you have a new coaching staff trying to scout another new coaching staff. Is it, what are, what are each program? Like what are these these programs looking at in terms of yeah. tendencies? How much of it is, I don't want to say guesswork because you guys prepare, but you know, Elko brought, you know, his new offensive coordinators from Memphis. So maybe right. was, that Duke's going to run a lot of up-tempo stuff. And mm-hmm. they had statistically speaking, they were the worst. Duke was the worst scoring defense in, in college football last year. Right. I yeah. Football, I saw that. You'd have to think that maybe, you know, you don't you don't cure that in a year or two. But Mike Elko is a pretty good defensive football coach. But when you're on a staff like this, and you if you were still on the Temple staff, what, what would you be doing? Are you looking at a lot of A and M tendencies? You're looking at a lot of Memphis tendencies, yeah. and then just think, kind of.
1: Yeah, I um, think you hit it. You, you hit it right on the the nail right on the head. I think there's. You know, I remember what we did with a couple of the guys that I that I worked for is like each, um, each coach, uh, each graduate assistant, um, they would have a different team. So, like, you know, I mean, obviously we're playing Duke, and it would be like, okay, Adam, you have Duke. You know, you have to break down three of their games from last year, obviously with the new staff. So I'm looking at Texas a and defense, and I'm going through five games. I'm trying to figure out the top coverages, the top fronts, the top blitzes, Different personnel packages, and then you know I have film, I have cutups, I have powerpoints made. You know I have a GA or someone along the line that's going to be able to help me with a few different things. And then I would go and you know week one I would present to the staff like, hey, this is what they do, this is their strengths and weaknesses, who they have coming back. You know again the top transfers. I know they lost some guys in the transfer portal. They gained a couple guys in the defensive backfield. You know just certain things like that. You know you do. And then you know there's another guy on the defensive staff that is going back and looking at. Memphis's offense, like, hey, are they uh, fast-paced, no huddle? You know, what are their sub packages looking like? Um, how many backs does this guy usually play? Are they, do they give signals as wristbands? I mean, any type of thing that you can imagine. You know, you're reaching out to other coaches that played Texas A&M, mm-hmm. if you have those connections, mm-hmm. um, or, you're, or or the Memphises of the, of the world, and saying, hey, you know, what I mean, is there any, you know, especially in this coaching business where you know other people and you kind of kind of keep things quiet. Mm -hmm. that's kind of how you do it and you know you'll take it with a grain of salt like hey these are some of the things we think they might do but at the end of the day it could be totally different so you don't want to bog off the players with too much stuff that might happen and when they get there and it's totally different and then you know you look like a a donkey's butt you know what i'm saying at the end of the day um so it's different man it's a strange it's a strange deal when you're playing a new staff and a new head coach and new coordinators um it really is
0: to borrow a coaching cliche here, before we get to Duke, let's focus on Temple. If coaches are talking to us, like we got to focus on us before we focus on anybody else. So right. Let's look at this Temple team. Um, Dewan Mathis named the starting quarterback for the opener, beat out Quincy Patterson. We haven't uh, had the chance to talk to Dewan. We did talk to players at all in the spring. They weren't made available, kind of understood where Stan was coming from there, kind of getting into this roster. We've talked to players like like Darian Varner, like Jordan McGee, like Adam Klein, like Isaac Moore. I think they put a lot, not all the single digit guys out there, but a lot of them. And, um, so Duwan's going to start. I don't get, I, I wasn't too, uh, surprised by that. Um, Stan seems happy with him; says he's doing all the right things. And, um, you know, we'll see how much, how much he's improved, of course, but, um, do you get the sense again? You're not around the program right now, Adam, but like you got a little bit of a glimpse of Dewan. Does he what does he need to do differently than he did last year? But obviously, I'm sure you, you could point to things more from a technique perspective. And I, he was an interesting study for me because sometimes it looked like he would do all the right things throwing the ball. And then the next time I'd kind of look at him and be like, that looks off. He looks like right. he's talent. And then the next throw, I don't know if it was just not being on the same page as Mike Duremovich, but um, he's got a different offensive coordinator now, Danny Langsdorf. And here's a guy who's been through a lot already through Georgia, has been through a couple different coaching staffs. Your gut feeling here, again, they've got a, a guy in Quincy Patterson back them up, who's transferred a couple times. EJ Warner, I think if they had their druthers, they would rather just redshirt him. And Mariano Valente, they like what they've seen of him in preseason camp, but I right. probably a backup, a guy that you want to, bringing for a couple series if someone gets dinged up what are you looking for out of Dwan Mathis and do you think he could hit his stride under Danny Langsdorf a guy that's been in a few places and has some NFL experience has been at some bigger programs
1: yeah I mean I think again not being there so as we do this podcast it's just kind of you know our thoughts as a former quarterback and a former quarterback coach and a quarterback whisperer now mm-hmm. <laughs> just kidding just kidding but um hey, you'd, you'd, I'll you'd go say, with the
0: quarterback whisperer
1: you'd, you'd venture to think that the kid's confidence is at an all-time high. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the hits the transfer portal, he struggled last year, the team struggled last year, you know, whether or not the offense was necessarily suited for his skill set or he wasn't happy or, you know, things, it just was a a little bit of a mess last year with COVID and whatever the case may be, you know what I mean? The the confidence issue was low and now, you know, you get a fresh start, essentially. Competition comes around when, when, when Patterson gets involved and then you know warner comes in and then you know when you have more competition it kind of it either elevates you or you you know i mean just fall to the back of the you know back of the ship you know what i mean it seems like the warner's a guy that came to the forefront after you know seeing some things that your guys wrote up on them and listening to stan talk and you see him you know i follow him on a couple social medias you know what i mean so it's like you could tell the dude has a little different something about him right now and it's i would think that confidence is one of those things and Will he hit his stride? I don't know. I just hope that they let him, they let the dogs loose. And that's you know, mm-hmm. you'll see when my, my keys to victory later on. It's just like, don't hold back. You know, you want to see what the kid can do now. And you don't want to go in there and go. And I remember the late George DeLeon, who I love dearly. Mm-hmm. You know, we our first year was like, run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run. It's like you run it and get the second and nine. You run it again, your second, your third and seven. It's like they know you're passing. They're either gonna sit back and drop eight or they're gonna bring the dogs and do all these different blitzes and you know you're screwed and they put you in a bad position. So it wasn't Steve
0: Azio that... that did that then. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was old Stevie. <laughs> I know that yeah, that's <laughs> he's doing pretty good, it seems like he's uh he's he's having some fun down there, it looks like. Um but you just hope that they continue to put him in situations to be successful and you know allow his confidence to, to stay where it's at and continue to elevate. And it looks like again, man, I know we lost a couple guys at the portal on the offensive side of the ball, but the skill guys that we brought in in the transfer portal, a couple of guys that we have coming up, they should help him, you know, along the way. You know, we got some speed at different, a couple of different positions. So, I'm anxious to see what the kid brings to the table. I hope he plays with the confidence that he seems like he has right now.
0: Well, want you ask about the line that's blocking in in front of him, and we'll start with the tackles. Not only are they guys that that you're familiar with, they're still around, and they get the benefit of circling back and things coming full circle with Chris, Chris Weezahan, a guy that you know well. And, you know, I, I think that the more people around the temple football program, you know, more often than not, when single digits are awarded, temple gets it right more than it gets it wrong. And most of these guys either get to the league or, or at least get into somebody's camp or they're, they go on and do something pretty successful in life. So you have Isaac Moore at left tackle, who was, great in talking to reporters last week he just he just brought up ed foley unprompted brought up kenny on unprompted and he seems really excited and kind of feels mm-hmm. like the whole vibe of of the program is back where it needs to be and adam klein i think if they if they again if they have it their way he stays at right tackle and wisdom course he really gets kind of just ingrained at center there and they have no problems with the exchange and all the basic stuff but i guess when you hear when you hear wheeze and you hear stan drayton talk about how far isaac moore has come and adam klein has come just kind of what you expected from them or you know what is it how does it make you feel when you hear them again knowing that they got 12 games ahead of them it's still a long yeah. season but how does that make you feel because you were around these guys and you know yeah
1: i mean they're, they're they're two of the the best kids that you're gonna find on the temple program And probably that have been around the program and the last 10 years, you know what I mean, that I had the opportunity to coach and be around. I mean, zero issues, phenomenal kids, positive, good energy. You know what I mean? Just excited to be around those guys uh, while I was there. It's almost like they took two different paths. You know, Isaac came in a little overweight, You know, mm-hmm. obviously coming from a different place, um, just trying to learn the game, the speed of the game. You know, I had Wees, who was a wild dude, just, you know what I mean, constantly on him and, pushing him, and then you had Klein who was quiet, smart, knew what he was doing, but wasn't there physically yet. Um, but you knew that he'd play, and he played because he was smart. But there were some times where there were times where, you know, he was getting overpowered or, you know, he was out of position or playing multiple positions. And Isaac went in, and, you know what I mean, he's going against, you know, fast guys at practice, and things aren't going right, and gets a little frustrated. But now it's like, hey, man, it's our last go-round. It's like they figured it out. And that's all you really need. I mean, you wish that they figured it out as freshmen, but nobody really does. Mm-hmm. You wish that they figured it out as redshirt freshmen, but rarely does anybody do it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes, like, for instance, Terrence Knighton had one phenomenal year. He got drafted in the fifth round. Like, yeah. the years before that, the dude was dominant, but he just – it wasn't as consistent. You know, he hit that senior year, and he just dominated on a consistent basis, and that's kind of where you're hoping that Adam and Isaac are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two guys that can just, you know, protect those edges. You know, they're going to be consistent. They're going to be physical. You know, I think that they're going to be the the voice when stuff goes wrong. Who's going to be the guy, like I mentioned, that's going to stop the bleeding? You know, who's going to stick their hand in the fan when things are going bad? And I think having those two guys there, being single digits, which congratulations, fellas, um, you, know, it, you you ain't, ain't gonna get much better than that.
0: And it, Kyle Gauss, who's my assistant editor at Alcu, tweeted this out earlier today after the depth chart was released, and as of now. Sophomores make up nearly 55% of the players on the depth chart, and as Kyle said, you know if, if the depth chart depth chart didn't change, which it will, it definitely will, they would return almost everybody as starters. But you know it does seem pretty clear that they're, and we'll we'll play some audio from Stan Drayton in a few minutes here where he says, you know, the best players are going to play regardless of what year they are, and uh, freshmen make up a little more than 14%, just seniors only 9.5% uh, on the depth chart, and they are young in that interior portion, of the offensive line. I think it was some course. She's a redshirt sophomore. You have James famine who, who only played in, uh, once in his two years at Houston, uh, a guy who came over from England. And then you have Jermaine Donaldson, uh, a South Jersey kid who has right. never played in his previous three years at temple. And uh, again, looked like he had some of the physical tools and was a bigger guy. Um, do you think this is wees just saying hey i'm just i'm trusting my instincts here these guys are young but they must be showing them something and i know he cross trains these guys and says he wants to be wants them to be able to play uh every yeah. position it's not like look i this stuff takes time i don't, I don't think wees i think he said last week or two weeks ago he has about seven guys who he considers to be you know above the line using a, a oh, jeff, jeff collins behind
1: collins, collins above eight yeah above the line
0: man. atl yeah but you know, I guess every offensive line coach would love to say, "Hey, I feel I feel good about ten or eleven guys." But feels right. good enough about Jermaine Donaldson and James Famine, who I mean, I don't know how much you were around Jermaine Donaldson, but they they like him enough to to start the opener at one of the one of the guard positions there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, again, in a perfect world, if if wisdom Quarshie, if everything's good with the, the you know the snap and the exchange. Adam Klein can stay out at right tackle if there are issues there. Sure. You know, I'm wondering if they have to bounce Klein back in. Um, what what are these guys going through as new interior offensive linemen? How much is their head gonna be swimming in not only, you know, their their first their first career starts, um, their first oh, career starts yeah. under a new, you know, a new coach and on the mm-hmm. road.
1: Yeah, sorry. My dog just walked in. My son just walked in. My, My wife mouth. just walked in. They're all giving me the sorry. Wow. sorry face. <laughs> um, it's great. If you look at the depth chart, just imagine, John, it's your first year playing, starting in, you know, or you're a transfer like, you know, James is, or you're Jermaine, who's, you know, third year in the program. You had some ups and downs. You, you know, you got recruited by a staff. They left. You had some issues. You were gaining weight. He's a phenomenal athlete. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, if he's He's 305 right now, and I'm sure Wiese has some good weight on him because I know him and old Boozer down there got those guys eating right and eating the calories they need, and they're in shape. But, you know, look look who he's playing next to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like Adam Klein is going to be telling him, essentially, like, hey, listen, buddy, this is what we're doing. This is who we're doubling to. Mm-hmm. This is who we're singling. This is, this is your backer right here. If he comes, you know, you got him. I'll take the end. Watch this blitz. So it's like a client might be playing right tackle but essentially he's playing center you know right. what i mean like he's telling Wiz what to do and mm-hmm. isaac moore who's been in the program for 11 years he's helping <laughs> james on the other side who's mm-hmm. you know he again he might he played a i don't know what he played in, in houston i'm not if i'm not saying i don't know how many games he's played there
0: just twice i mean guy times.
1: That, yeah. mm-hmm. so i mean you're gonna have isaac moore who's knows a lot of football and been in a lot of different systems being able to help him along the way. Because, you know, you have Wiz playing center who's never played center before. They have to snap the ball and make calls and, you know, have the quarterback back there. Again, I don't know what their system is on who's making the mic points. Is it the center? Is it the quarterback? Because regardless, there's going to be a lot of stuff on Wiz's plate. So you could take some of that off of his plate by having two older tackles helping two young guys inside that haven't played much football. Mm-hmm. And here's what I do know about Wiz. He sure as heck ain't going to put Jermaine in the lineup if he doesn't think Jermaine can play. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a the, you know there's Victor Stoffel there's some dudes that have you know been in the program with Rodriguez and some guys I'm thinking I'm you know a couple of names just crossing my head it's like those guys have been around a little bit and it's like if Jermaine wasn't ready to play he wouldn't play so it'll be interesting to see how you know that dynamic is and you know when they get out there playing against you know the dukies
0: and you got at just to to go down the the depth chart here and again this is just as of this week Heading into the game, Isaac Moore will start left tackle. Jim Tio Obadegu backing him up. And he, I, I think it's safe to say he impressed the, the former staff. I remember Rod talking about mm-hmm. being high on him. James Famineau, uh, the Houston transfer from from England originally. And then Chevy Trask backing him up at 6'4", 282 at left guard. Wisdom Korshi starting at center. Rich Rodriguez backing him up. Then Jermaine Donaldson, who 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 Adam was just talking about, at 6'4", 305, a registered sophomore playing and, and starting for the first time. Uh, we've talked about, you know, Bryce, Bryce Thoman coming along. He's six, four, two 95 backup right guard right now. And I know we's likes Victor Stoffel he's six eight three hundred, 300, still red shirt. A big man. A big yeah. man. Backing up, uh, backing up Adam there. Um, a couple of the other, I don't know if they were necessarily surprises and we'll get to this in a little bit. David Martin Robinson, uh, maybe more of an injury thing. Uh it's the third string tight end right now, James Delapesca is listed as the starter, Jordan Smith backing him up. But Adam, again, as you know, it depends on what they open the game in, you know, and what we'll, we'll see what right. what that what what that first call is and, and all that stuff. Um, a couple of JUCO players are making immediate impacts in terms of being in the mix there on the depth chart. Uh Trey Thomas, not to be confused with the former Eagles left tackles, getting a started outside linebacker, stands. Brought him up a couple of times. That's not much of a surprise. Elijah Dareville, a, a guy who's originally from Miami, is starting at one of the safety spots after coming in from uh, Garden City Community College. And uh, so, again, Stan Drayton, his weekly press conferences now are on Monday. So, this was his second weekly presser of the season, his first during game week. And uh, this is, you know, Stan talking about how the best players are going to play, regardless of. You know, regardless of what year they are, regardless of you know who they were recruited by. So we're going to play a, a clip here of Stan talking about that before we get a little bit more into the depth chart. They earned it. you know. Nothing will ever be given to any player on this roster, and uh, you know
1: those guys have earned it, you know. But no one can relax at any given point in time. At any given point, you know, it's just the type of culture that we want uh, to build here and. Um, we want our recruits to even see that as well, that if you're going to come into this program, you got to have to compete. Not only that, but you have the opportunity to earn your job here, regardless of how old or how much experience you've had. If you're the best player here at Temple, we're going to play the best players.
0: All right. So, again, I think that's important context because, again, I think if people are – and it is fun. It's fun to get fan reactions. It's fun that, that the season is back and people are talking about the depth chart and – least you have a fan base that cares and they're like wow what's what's going on here and i had a couple people texting me and uh are you going to ask about this you going to ask about that and you need to provide context and as i said a couple minutes ago david martin robinson a guy that you're familiar with is listed third on the depth chart but he's uh listed as a well stan said he's going to be like a a game time decision heading into the game still dealing with some some health stuff uh Behind James Del Pasca, behind Jordan Smith, a guy who kind of came in as a bigger, bigger wideout and is now at tight end. Uh, we're going to play a clip here of Stan Drayton talking about David Martin Robinson and, and why he will still be in the mix and essentially kind of providing some context as to, to why he is where he is right uh, on the depth chart right now. We're working on DMR's on health, you know, but
1: uh, he's a guy who obviously, you know, uh... I think, very highly of him as a football player. And he's extremely intelligent. And, uh, but we, you know, some things that, you know, we'll make some game day decisions on on DMR. But, uh, you know, that tight end room, for the most part, has been solid uh, from the moment we got here. And they've gotten better in spots. And, you know, we're just really starting to sell a
0: land to the, to the role for this particular game plan for Duke and where these guys will fit. And uh, so, you know, what you see necessarily in the depth chart, Is it's just names. Those guys are going to play uh, depending on what package we roll out there, you know, uh, what personnel group we roll out there can really have an effect on, you know, who starts. All right. So there you have Stan again providing some, some needed context there about, about David Martin Robinson. Another guy who, again, when, when fans look at the depth chart, you know, post it online or once we post a picture of it. You know, they, they see the corners. You know, Jalen McMurray, single-digit right. guy who who's starting. Uh, Dayon Hawkins, kid from, uh, from the Haverford School who's fast, I, I think just obviously just needs to put it together, get some snaps, backing him up. Keyshawn Paul, who played a lot of football, started for him last year, listed a third on the depth chart. Then at the other corner spot, Elijah Clark, one of their bigger corners at 6'3", 195, His list is the starter with Dominique Hill, South Carolina transfer, backing him up. And then Cameron Ruiz, who started, played a lot of football for him last year. Now, Stan said, you know, we knew this, that Cam had what he considered a significant leg injury that kept him out of spring ball. And here's another case here where, you know, we asked about him, um, you know, being in that spot and, and about his health. And here's what Stan had to say about Cameron Ruiz, the Northwestern transfer, who played a lot of football, started a lot of football for Temple last year. Cam is coming off of a pretty significant injury uh, in the spring, you know, but um, he's he's back and he's ready, you know, and uh, you will see Cam on the field, you know, but um, no, it's just who's been the most consistent, right, and um, sometimes injury does play a little bit of a part in that, but um, it's not like I don't feel he's not ready to go. He is absolutely ready to go, a very sharp, uh, smart football player, and uh, it brings versatility to that heat so yeah, he will play for sure. That's what I was gonna ask. So he is he's fully ready to go. Absolutely. Adam, let me ask you this: uh, Every coach does it differently. I mean, there's there's a depth chart, and then Jeff came in with the above the line stuff, and people, you know, people reacted to that internally. When a depth chart gets posted, being a coach and having been around players do they respond to that? Do they talk about it? Do they, do they look around and say, Whoa, I'm, I'm third on the depth chart. I thought I was in better standing there or mm-hmm. do they kind of know? I mean, what, what's what been your experience with that in it, terms of when a I, depth I, chart comes out?
1: Yeah. I've dealt with a couple of different, different scenarios where it's like um, before the depth chart goes out before it's posted publicly, you're having that meeting after training camp meeting and with your guys whether that's a ten-minute meeting or a five-minute meeting, it's just like, hey, listen, Darian, you know you're starting here, you know, or starting three technique. Um, Jacoby sits in next. It's like, Jacoby, hey, you had a great camp. You, you know, what I mean, you, you're two ninety now. That's great. You know, you're just you just right behind Darian right now, and you you know you gotta continue to push him. You guys are neck and neck. you and you know you're gonna play some football for us, but you know Darian's gonna start. Okay, cool. You know whoever's next comes in like, hey, listen, these two guys are in front of you, we know you're not happy. Here's some things you might need to work on. But, you know, there's been times where guys are happy, some times when guys don't quite understand where, you know, we talked to parents, parents would call in, and then, you know, that was put to a halt very quickly. Um, and then there's times where it's like, hey, you know, you're above the line, below the line. We're sitting there for multiple hours trying to figure out who's above, who's below. And that way you don't have to make those those tough tough decisions right now like who's going to start and you could have 8 door linemen above the line it's like you know you don't know which which ones are going to start if there's going to be a rotation or whatnot it's like if you go out there and you know you're playing 11 personnel James Delapesca going be the first tight end out there according to this depth chart he is but it's all it is is you know what's on paper you know what I mean? it's not that we have to live in, or die by it um but again like I said I've, I've dealt with a couple different things where You know, the thing gets posted, guys come in and ask questions. I've dealt with where it gets posted and kids really like, hey, at least the young ones are like, man, screw it. It is what it is. You know, I'm going to go ahead and bust my butt and try to get better. And I've had, you know, you see guys pout during practice. You know what's going to happen, John. And to people, listen, you know, you're going to have guys that aren't on this depth chart. You know where they're going to go this week? They're playing scout team. Guys that are supposed to, you know, might have played some football for, for, for us last year. They're playing scout team right now that, What kind of attitude are they going to have? You know what I mean? And how are they going to, you know, continue to get the offense or the other side of the ball better? And it's like, you know, Garrett Williams, I know he transferred to Fordham last year after the year, but he was a phenomenal scouting player. You know, anything I told him to do or we told him to do, he just did it. You know what I mean? It's like a couple other walk-ons were that way. It's like, hey, they knew their their role. And, like, right now, these guys have to understand their role if they're not a first-teamer or a second-teamer.
0: Before we switch over and talk about this Duke team, the Temple is going to be facing a reminder that the Believe in Temple Football podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. You can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information for live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's all caps bleav A V five zero to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let us look at this, this Duke team that uh, that's face the that temple's facing. We'll get into a little bit more uh, detail here. And again, like temple, they're rebuilding as well. Duke went three and nine overall last season, and they were winless in the ACC, which prompted them to make a coaching change there with David Cutcliffe moving on after 14 seasons. And as we were talking about before, Texas A&M defensive coordinator Mike Elko is taking over. They named their starting quarterback this week, Riley Leonard. So recently named their starter Jordan Moore, who had been competing with them through maybe half of camp, uh, has now uh, been moved over to a more of what they're considering a multi dimensional role in offense, mostly at receiver. Our, counterpoint at, uh, our counterpart, excuse me, at the, the Duke rival site at Devils Illustrated, reporting that. Uh, so he's going to be playing a little bit more receiver uh, by the second scrimmage. He hadn't taken a snap at quarterback. So a little bit more about Riley Leonard. He's 6'4, 212. He's a sophomore, played seven games last season, started one of them, completed 37 of his 62 passes for 381 yards, one touchdown through an interception. Can run it a little bit too. He had 47 carries for 173 yards and two touchdowns. As we mentioned more at the outset of the podcast, Kevin Johns came over as the offensive coordinator from Memphis. So we can see a lot of up-temple, no-huddle stuff from, uh, from the Blue Devils. Mm-hmm. Adam, I want to stop there, and I don't want to undersell this, but – Is there, in the coaching community now, in the college coaching community, not that every team runs tempo, some do it mid-game, some mix it up, some thrive off of it, does it still wear down defenses like it used to, or are people so used to it being a part of the game where you just kind of anticipate it, or is this something that you can never really fully prepare for just because of the pace and just because it exhausts you?
1: I think you try as much as you can to prepare for the pace. And, like, it's almost like when you play Navy you and you play Navy the eighth game of the season, you still have to prepare for Navy during training camp. Like, we were prepared for Navy during training camp every year. So there's certain times where, you know, their staff will say, hey, it's speedball. And it's like the offense is running these six plays as fast as humanly possible. The defense can't sub. Um, because they want to see guys that when they're tired to see how they relay message, re relay signals in and whatnot. They want to see guys when they're tired, how is their technique? They want to see if the defensive line can line up. So, can you fully prepare for it? You know, I, I don't know, um, but teams will do whatever they can to prepare for it. And again, I'm not sure what they'll do. Um, I was just in my brother's high school game, and the team they played was <laughs> playing some. Uh, they were doing some tempo stuff, and, hey, you know I mean? Your guys, the defense gets tired. You know what I mean? What they're gonna, what's going to happen is you see that they're going to put in a new wave of defensive line, a new wave of linebackers, and guess what? They're not as good as that first group that was in there, and that's whenever you go ahead and, you know, you run that play that you think is going to be the, the 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 big bang. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, let's go ahead up top here, or let's keep pounding, you know I mean, this outside zone with this sort of RPO, and you know that the corner that just came in because – This guy just ran two go balls like UCF, for instance, right? They play so fast and they would just have one guy on one side of the field, Trey Nixon who's with the Patriots or somewhere else right now, but he just run as fast as he can down the Mm sideline and they throw a bomb to him. Then he come back the next play, different receiver, and they do the same exact thing on the same corner. It's like then you put that next corner in. Um, and he's he's not as good as that first guy. So, you know, you try to prepare and sometimes, you know what I mean. Like, what's good when you play teams like that, you didn't go three and out very quickly. Yeah. And they can be off the field in a second. You know what I mean? And they just, you know, they live and die by that tempo. And I remember one time with, with Matt, we had, like, seven tempos. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, fast with signals, fast, look over to the sideline. Like, that's how you could do it too, you know? And you can go fast and then look to the sideline, and that kind of just lets everyone catch their break, breath and gives the old line a break from beating that stance. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what kind of mode and, and – and, you know which way their offensive coordinator and their offensive staff is is going to go this this week.
0: Mm-hmm. So Duke, like Temple, is a little unproven at running back. Uh, Mateo Durant is he still with the Steelers? Adam, did they did he make? I
1: think he just. I think I want to say he just got cut. I was just looking at their cuts. And I was because I read a couple of things from some of the the Temple guys that got released tonight. night. Mm-hmm. A little disappointing. And I I read his name. I think they let him go. If I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, I hadn't gotten the chance to get the look at the latest cuts before. We hopped on here, but nonetheless, he was very good for Duke last Mm -hmm. year. And then Jordan Moore, who we just talked about, was their second leading rusher. Again, he was at one point competing for the quarterback spot before Mm -hmm. they moved him.
1: And Jordan's from uh well Evan Boozer's high school in, in Maryland, Loyola Blakefield. So we for we brought Jordan on a visit and he's you know, they came up here I wanted I think three times. You know what I mean? And he was just a phenomenal kid, so you know, I'm sure he's, you know, he'll be successful down there, but um, I really liked him and I think he's going to be a special player.
0: You're talking about Jordan Moore? Jordan
1: Moore, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we recruited him at Temple. And yeah. That's one of the few that I know that are down there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? But he was, you know, he was looking for, you know, a, a really good academic program. Mm-hmm. And the kids, he's a special athlete, though. He he could do some a lot of different things. So mm-hmm. as you can see, you know what I mean? Moving him to wide receiver mm-hmm. um, works for them.
0: And another Jordan, Jordan Waters, might be their lead back. He ran for 197 yards last year. Unlimited uh, time, again, when, uh, when you're playing behind a, a talented back like Durant who got most of the carries, he didn't have a ton of time. Did average 5.1 yards per carry. Uh, again, on the other side of the ball, Duke, we've mentioned this before, was ranked dead last among 130 FBS teams in total defense. They were allowing 40 points and 518 yards per game. Would have to imagine. Look, I mean, they, I guess they could stay there, but otherwise, they have nowhere to go but up. I, I think they'll be better. How much better? Depending on personnel, player development, what, what remains to be seen, but they'll probably run a four-two-five base formation under Elko. One of those two linebackers there is pretty good. Shaka Hayward looks like one of their better players on defense. He made a uh, a Senior Bowl watch list. I know that. Watch lists are are plentiful at this time of the year, and a lot of players are on them. But, you know, the guys that that run the senior bowl typically know their stuff. He was a third-team all-ACC linebacker last season, has nine-and-a-half sacks in his career. Uh guy like Vincent Anthony Jr. as a true freshman that they're pretty excited about at defensive end. Rivals had him as a four-star recruit coming out of high school. At, uh, Jordan High School in Durham, local kid. He was ranked as the ninth-best player in the state. Uh, I'm not sure how much i will play Friday night, but a name to, to keep an eye on there. But, again, they have a, a ton of holes to fill on defense. Rory Bell, we should note, uh, just talking a little bit about special teams. Uh, is, Love special
1: teams, John. Love special teams.
0: Yeah, And, again, these coaches have vowed, and this maybe we'll use this to ease into to the three keys to victory here, um, special teams at Temple have nowhere to go but up. I, I, the coaches at least say that they want to affect the game in that area. Um, you know, they they brought in a you know a, a coach in Adam Shire who seems committed to it. Um but let's let's talk about these these keys to victory for, for Friday night, Adam. I mean I have some that are probably pretty basic, but right I, I want to hear what your three keys to victory yeah, are. Yeah, and, and you could easily
1: I could easily, you know, went with uh we have to win like you know, when I was with Matt and you know, Phil had this Bill Snow had the same exact key to victory every week. So I'm going to try to juice it up a little bit and have a couple different things. But, like, for me, being a first-time head coach, and I've been around three guys that were Matt's first-time head coach or Al Golden first-time head coach, I should say. Um, Jeff Collins, first-time head coach. And then Rod was the only one that wasn't a first-time head coach that I, you know, had the chance to work for. So as Stan's first-time head coach, you have to – I guess you could just put this one really quick – attack from attack from play one. What I mean by that is don't play the game to – not lose. You know what I mean. Try to win the football game. Like, um, let the boys play. Like, let them eat. Like, they're gonna say you'll see guys doing the whole eat. Let let them go play. See what you have. Um, all fall, all summer camp, all spring. You guys ran these crazy blitzes, and you guys did things that worked and were effective. Do that tomorrow on Friday night. You know what I mean. The explosive plays, the trick plays, the the things that the one and you know Ahmad and. Adonis, is the things that they that they're good at. Do those special teams? You have a trick play, do it. I mean, if you're a guy that's going to go attack the punt, go attack the punt. You know, what I mean, see what you have out of DeWan, especially our quarterback right now. So let the again attack from the first play and don't play hesitant. That's I'm hoping to see that come Friday night. That's my first first key to victory. Mm-hmm. Number two, so this, is, this is a fairly simple one, um, win up front. I say that because mm-hmm. Duke has four veteran offensive line starters coming back, and our defensive line is all young, energetic guys. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a little battle between those two, and those are the ones I want to key on, you know, who's going to win. You know, obviously, our offensive line, we've already talked about it, you know, for, you know, five minutes earlier. So, you know, I'd love to see what our young defensive line does against their veteran offensive line. If we can win that battle, I think we'll be in a good spot. And to me, um, especially first games of the year, I know some guys were scoring a lot of points, but first one of 24 points wins the game. That's my opinion. Whoever gets the 24 points is going to win the game. Whoever gets their first wins the game. Um, so, again, both quarterbacks are fairly, I say, fairly inexperienced. You know, DeJuan was in and out of the lineup with injuries. And, you know, obviously uh, Riley only, you know, threw for 400 yards last year. Both defensive struggles. So you're going to have a lot of guys that played, you know, not a lot of football that are going to be playing on Friday night. So I think the first one to 24 wins the game. And I think it's going to be a 24, 20, 24, 17, uh, temple victory. That's my prediction.
0: I we picking a temple win.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. we're, we're not going to lose to the Duke <laughs> <He's> man. No <laughs> shot. I just, I just feel like it's almost like that Vanderbilt year for us. You know I, I mean, yeah,
0: I said that on, I said that on our Al Scoop podcast, the scoop, and that was your second year in a map, right? That yeah. Was, so that was you know, the there, first one. It yeah. was
1: like we went, you know, we you know how it was. We had a lot of games where it was a lot of fun, and we just couldn't finish. But I just got a good. I don't know. I got a good feeling, man. I mean, I and I re- I rarely, if you would ask anyone that I've worked with, I had to schedule my office every year, and I'd like, I'd put the win loss record, and I'd put like I'd be three and eight every year. You know, I mean, I just didn't have that right down the win confidence now that it's. My paycheck's not on the line. I could uh, <laughs> say whatever we want, um, but yeah, those are my uh, those are my keys, man. It'll be interesting to see. Like I said, if we get into the red zone last year. Uh, you know, I took another quick stat. Like they gave up ninety three percent score rate in the red zone. Yeah, like that's fifty one of fifty four times people were scoring on them. You know what I mean? So that's that's something that we need to be better at. Um, so it'll oh be interesting to see. I mean, they got a lot. Um. A lot of doubters. I think that we have a lot of doubters. You know what I mean? That's like both teams are going to have chips on their shoulders. and It's like, I mean, I I think it's going to be some physical football being played um, one way or another, you know, being from, you know, Elko and the defensive mindset and the way that Stan just kind of preaches the Temple Tough mantra. I think it's going to be one of the better games, you know, Friday night.
0: Mine are. I think mine would be fairly simple. I mean, first one I think of is. I mean, it sounds so basic. Being able to run the ball and establish the run, and not necessarily for like two hundred fifty or three hundred yards. And I don't think right. they gonna come out of. I don't think they're going to come out of this game and say, "Oh, Ed Sadie is the guy," or "Darvon Hubbard is the guy," or Jakari Norwood is the guy." Although Stan seems pretty high on him, or even Trey Blair out of Avertown High School. Haverford High School, excuse me. It's a few blocks down the street from me here. I don't think they're going to necessarily find the guy, but if they can establish some confidence there, I I think it would just be so huge for the interior of that offensive line, like James Mm -hmm. Femme, Mm -hmm. like Wiz, like Jermaine Donaldson, if they can just look and just see somebody whiz by them because they, they blocked who they were supposed to block and they anticipated what they were supposed to anticipate. I think that would, that would be huge. Second thing for me, you know, make Riley Leonard uncomfortable. He's not, again, Mm -hmm. not a super proven quarterback coming in. You know, I, one of the things that I've wanted to ask a guy like, like Darian Varner, who's now bounced outside, he shed some weight, you know, the the single digit tradition, we talked about it earlier. You know, I wonder what's going through Darian Varner's mind. He had, he led the team in sacks last year, but he had, they just weren't a good football team, but he led them in sacks with three. Is Darian Varner, Looking and saying, man, that they gave me that number nine. That's a serious number around here. You know, Mahalo yeah. Wilkerson's not in the NFL anymore, but he had a he had a s- s- relatively short career. But was a very good football player, and a first round pick. Yeah. Um, you know, Jacob Martin, Matt yeah. Ioannidis, like some really good players. Whether it's him that they, whether it's a guy like Darian that can knock him around a little bit, whether it's a guy like maybe from out by your neck of the woods, a guy like Leighton Jordan, who you recruited him right.
1: Love Lato, man. I'm yeah. I'm glad when I saw that depth chart to see his name out there, and I think that like the dude is just friggishly athletic. So I'm anxious to see, you know, how he can just get around one of those big old offensive linemen, and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, put a hit on this quarterback and make him, like you said, man, feel uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, you know, someone like him, um, or you know Trey Thomas, we talked about before. You know, one of those outside linebackers who, again, right. the pressure isn't going to necessarily come. You know, from the D line, we'll we'll see how how aggressive <laughs> DJ Elliott is. You know, and how he, how he turns things up. But just something, one of those guys just being able to 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 make you know to make Leonard uncomfortable in the pocket. The third thing I think of, and I, I think I'm borrowing this phrase from. I mean, didn't Al talk about like how you guys react to sudden change? Yeah, and it's okay. going to be so everything. I, changed, yeah, and I think that's going to be just you know again. It probably doesn't sound like anything super insightful, but again, with with Two, two teams playing under two new head coaches, uh, and a lot of guys. One of the one of the things I talked to Stan about was you know managing expectations, managing emotions in in any opener, whether you're a, a first time head coach or not. And you know you have guys. I think everybody's running out of the tunnel and wants to knock somebody's head off or wants to run for a thousand yards or pass for five thousand yards, and everybody's charged up. How do you manage? your own emotions and then how they manage sudden change. Like if, if something, you know, in Temple's case, God forbid, they, they win the toss, they defer. The first thing that happens is you give up a long kickoff return. And everybody's thinking, well, same yeah, we old Temple be. from the past couple of years, you know, yeah. bad, bad kick coverage. How yeah. do you settle yourself? Because I mean, again, I don't have to tell you, Adam, you were at the heart of it. Wasn't that half the battle for you guys and just letting things go off the rails and saying, how do we, say it's no longer a typical tempo we're going to turn things around that was more than half the battle right
1: absolutely man you hit it right on the, the nail on the head again and that's a that's a great that's a great one and like i said how how do you handle you know when things go bad i mean a fumble um interception a missed tackle i mean all these things that happen in the game that happen just i'm just talking like 100 times throughout the game it's like you know you have to keep that confidence and just keep plugging and like I said, keep having that Temple Tough, you know, mantra in the back of your head, like, hey, guys, you know, we're okay. This ain't the end of the world. It's one play our offense will pick us up or our defense will pick us up or, you know, our, our special teams will pick us up. And it's tough. But like I said, I think that's why, you know, you have those offensive linemen and single digits on offense. Now on defense, you know, you're going to have some young guys. Like who's going to be the voice on defense that, you know me? I mean, you're really going to listen to. Because um, like you mentioned, I mean, who who is that – veteran starter that's played a lot of football that is vocal and you know people look to it. That'll be an interesting one to see what happens on defense because that's usually flipped. You mm-hmm. know in in, mm-hmm. in my time there, the guys on defense, Matakaviches of the world and you know champs and those guys were always the voice and the offense was kinda like, huh, ah, take a second fiddle a little bit to those guys. So it'll be interesting. Those were those were good keys, man. Mm-hmm. We got six keys to victory. If we do all those, we're walking out <laughs> yeah. happy um,
0: we have we have one mailbag question here, and then uh, and we're gonna pick some, we do a, like a rapid fire, you know, picking some of the other games in the American to close things out. Uh, we got a mailbag question on Twitter from Glenn Phillips. His Twitter handle is owls seventy two. His question is: With coach starting so many first year starters, uh, leads us to believe uh, with coach starting so many first year stars leads us to believe the roster was lacking that much talent, or will we see a lot of rotation? See you in Durham. So. What do you think, Adam? Do you think that's that's an indication of you know the roster lacking a lot of talent or will they I know Stan did say that he they you know on defense they plan to play a couple different waves of guys and and you know and and have rotations. Right. Um so yes, I do think that they'll see a lot of rotations, but when you look at the depth chart again knowing that it is very much a week to week thing and again you know what goes into the science of constructing these things and then right me on the other side of the media you react to it you try to provide some 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 context do you think the roster was i mean had to be lacking some talent there was a coaching change there had to be some issues there but or do you think this is just uh there will be rotations and that some guys are going to respond better to a new staff and it's just right place right time for some of that
1: probably a mixture of both um as you saw i mean you know we did a we did a uh, a podcast on hey you know who's going to be you know the starters alongside Cam and Keyshawn Paul at corner who's going to be those safeties this year who's it going to be and then you know the depth chart comes out obviously I'm not there and you're there and you see stuff and you know I mean you you hear coach talk and next thing you know they're not starting so it's like are they not good enough were they not are, they just, are these guys did they get developed that quickly by the new staff and you know that more comfortable with their style of defense like it's Quite possibly, the, the the style of defense that we played two years ago is different than the style of defense that those guys playing right now. And that's maybe why a 6 3 corner like Elijah's playing. Or, you know what I mean? You're having interior D linemen that are a little different than ones in the past. So I think it's a little mixture of both. You know, there's going to be waves of defense, there's going to be waves of offense. You're going to play six or seven wide receivers, probably going to play four running backs. If I was a betting man, you know what I mean? You might see two quarterbacks. You're going to play, I mean, and that's, I think, the the good thing, you know, about the first game not being a conference game, I guess. And it's, you know what I mean, it's not an easy one either. So, you know, you're allowing to see the competitive side come out of some of these guys, but at the same time, you're able to rotate some guys in and, you know, see who's playing best, and that's who you keep in.
0: Well, you know, real quick, Adam, this is a, a huge question. Before we get mm-hmm. to, before we close things out here with, with uh, picking some of these games, I wanted to ask you this too. Stan said that they're traveling Four quarterbacks. So they're gonna travel obviously math Mathis, Quincy Patterson, Mariano Valente, and they're gonna travel EJ down there. Again, not that mm-hmm. traveling for quarterbacks is is rare, but as a former quarterback, as a former quarterback's coach, what is that? It might sound like a simple question, but what does that do for a guy like like EJ Warner just to go be on the road, even though I would have to imagine their goal is like we want to redshirt this kid, mm-hmm. still 18. They think very highly of him. and In a perfect world, he does not see the field at all this year unless it's in a blowout. Well, sure. Traveling four quarterbacks and getting him on the road and around the guys in a game like this, what does that, what does that do for a guy like EJ where every single – again, you could say this for every guy on the field, but when the microscope is under a quarterback where every single step in his development is so important, what does that do for a guy like yeah,
1: EJ? Yeah, I, I think that, well, for one, he's obviously not a distraction um those guys wouldn't bring anybody on the road that's a distraction that's not going to play you know what I mean so having him there one he he's definitely has a job to do during the game right whether that's um doing the signals mm-hmm. whether he has a headset on where he's you know signaling the play into the wall and if they're doing do the signals or whatnot you know he's still taking the quarterback test that they take every night before the game he's sitting in those quarterback meetings Listen to see, you know, how professional it's, you know, things are done and how serious it really is, you know, because the guy's just just come from high school. I know his father is, you know, Hall of Famer, but he might not have seen it done, you know, at this level right now in college, you know, him being on the team. So he's eating the team meal. He's in, he's in the hotel room, you know, he's taking, like I said, he's taking the test. He, you know, it's probably a confidence booster. It's one of those things where he's going to go out there and warm up. He's going to throw, he's going to see the lights, you know, and he's going to see the fans. He's going to feel the energy. Um, and then, you know, hopefully when his time's called, the moment won't be as big as it might've been if it was his first time on a trip. You know, he's going to be on the plane eating the cheesesteak or the chicken parm or whatever they got, the cool meal Mm -hmm. that I I so, I so dearly (laughs) miss. Um, that's the top 10 things I missed from, from coaching is that those, those road trips, but you know, we'll talk about that list another time, (laughs) but his confidence will be, you know, it'll, it'll be big time and he'll be able to, you know, bring, I'm sure positive energy to to the one when he gets off the field that's kind of all you have to ask for those guys to say hey, keep quiet when you know when we ask things of you know, if you have any thoughts or you know what i mean just keep keep the one and the guy's positive and you know that's kind of where he where, where he'll go all
0: right so we're gonna close things out with some picks i want to preface yeah. this saying that i am over the years i have been the worst at paying attention to point spreads i've had I've had friends text me and say, should I bet temple today? And I'll say, (laughs) I have no idea. There's so much, there was so much parody in the Mac, so much parody in the American. I would make, you know, I, I make jokes with friends and say, I don't want to lose your money, but we're going to give this a shot. But again, I preface this by saying I'm, I'm usually in the rare times that I do it, even just with something fun amongst friends, I'm, I'm horrible picking. either going to come in first
1: or last John. So. Yeah, there's only two of us here, but you might have a guest picker maybe every once in a while. But like I said, will yeah. we'll just do the AAC games, the ones that have lines. There's a couple that don't even have lines. So we got so, what um, NC State. It, you uh, you want to run down the list here? Yeah, I got I got the list here. Yeah, I'll write them down. I'll keep track. And then I'm um, you know, like I said, we'll sign off after this. Temple at Duke, uh Duke minus seven. Um, you can go first here. God, that's a – see,
0: and maybe I'm too close to it. I have no have no idea what to make do you think that's a duke friendly line you think that's a temple friendly
1: line it wasn't it, i know it was at six one point so
0: there's the the there's a part of me that's gonna i'm gonna take duke there uh you know for for stan and for for their sake you know be cool to see them go down there and get a win if right. I, I gotta you know kind of cut things down the middle here. If I were to take an educated guess, I think we'll see a lot of moments in the game where you see signs of progress, but I do think there's something to be said for going down there and they are going to be on the road going up against a a pretty good staff. And Mm -hmm. I think it would be a big deal if temple goes down there and wins, no matter how bad Duke was last year. I, I just think that, that, you know, they're not quite there yet. No, they're not going to be there all season. They're not going to win nine or 10 games and win the, you know, win the conference, but I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Duke to cover.
1: Fair enough. I'm gonna go with Temple. Uh, you heard my for some reason I just feel really good about the first game with the way Stan has been, you know, leading this crew. Um I think there's gonna be three or four explosive plays to get to that twenty-four points, whether it's a like I said, a, a fumble on a kickoff returned or you know, one of those kind of deals. And I'm just I think Temple Temple covers and we actually get the win. Um, mm-hmm. So, game two again. These these two don't have lines, so I'm going to skip them. It's South Carolina State at UCF and Delaware at Navy. So, here's the next one: NC State at ECU, and uh, ECU is getting 11 points. I'm going to take NC State. I love Devin Leary. He was one of the best kids that I saw yeah. at a Temple camp ever. Uh huh. Um, so I'm going to take NC State and. You're fighting Aaron Jarman's down there at ECU. <laughs> birthdays, birthdays today. I didn't text him yet, but I love Aaron Jarman. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, Aaron, for listening to my friend. <laughs> who you got, John?
0: Yeah, I got NC State too. I, I cool. There are some – I think there are a few people here and there who are kind of optimistic about ECU this year, Um, think that they could maybe sneak into like the the top half of, of the league. I'm not saying they're going to be uh, Cincinnati or Houston, but – I'm just, you know, I mean, they're at home in that game, right? So, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I still don't see them. I, I still think NC State wins that game comfortably by a couple of touchdowns. And, uh,
1: Cincinnati ranked, Cincinnati ranked Cincinnati team versus uh, Arkansas ranked Arkansas uh, minus six and a half Arkansas. I'm, I'm gonna do... go with I'm gonna go with the fight in Walt Stewart's, so, uh, a good friend oh, of mine Walt who was on the Temple yeah. staff, who's D line coach Cincinnati right now, phenomenal guy. Uh, phenomenal family, and again, I'm gonna go with the with the with the Cincinnati Bearcats. Who, I love their stadium. I know they're playing in Arkansas, but I love their stadium. And uh, every time I used to play NCAA football growing up, to start off, I was always Hawaii or Cincinnati. I just love both of their colors. Red and black was my favorite colors to wear anywhere. That was my um my junior college baseball team it was red and black. I'm just was in love with all red and black colors. Yeah, so, Cincy.
0: Well, it was your junior college was, was Oscaloosa yeah. Os. Did I get it right? <laughs> no, okay, I a bunch okay, it, okay, Okaloosa. 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 Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was like North
1: Walt, Northwest Florida Junior College. They're playing good ball down there. Shout out to my guys down in Niceville, Florida.
0: And your high school colors at Starrocks were green and white? Yeah, man, green and white, yep. How the hell I knew that. Um, I'm going to go with Cincy, too. I, I, I don't think they were so good last year, and I know that, you know, you, you, you lose a lot of, a lot of guys, you lose Desmond Ritter, um, you, you lose sauce and you, they, they certainly lost a lot, but I was just so impressed with like, you know, what they built there with their culture. Like they, not only were they good last year, they were excellent just in terms right. of they had a target on their back. You know, any, any group of five school, it's like, well, how good are you really? How real You know, are you guys really that good? Yeah. They were really that good. Um, and I like them to go down there and win that game.
1: Nice, you write that one in. Good. All right. Um, Houston at UTSA. Don't worry about that one. The line. Tulsa minus six at Wyoming. I'm going to take Tulsa. I really don't know why, but I'm going to stick with the AAC. Yeah, let's take Tulsa. Cool. Nice. Uh, BYU minus eleven at USF. Yeah. I like. I like the quarterback that just transferred from USF to McLean, who going to transfer to UCF. Mm-hmm. Now they have Gary Bohannon, which is a Baylor guy, and i watched him play a little bit. Um, whatever the old Matt Rules were there.
0: But, mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think BYU going to the Heat in USF early on with Bohannon. I think they'll cover. I don't think they'll win, but I don't think I think USF covers.
0: Oh, uh, I think what is you, this, I... year
1: three or year four for this guy, or just
0: oh. This? I should see. I should know this. I don't. I don't know what it is. Anymore. I. I think. I think BYU wins. up wins this one by a couple of touchdowns too. I know that the. Yeah, so it'll probably be ridiculously humid and, and gross yeah. out there. But I. I think. I think BYU uh, wins and covers. All
1: right. All right. So UMass at Tulane, who's twenty eight point five point favorites.
0: I mean, UMass is supposed to be so, so bad this season, and that's a that's a team that's on on Temple schedule, and if. I know the temple's rebuilding, but if they don't win that game, I think you've got some some problems. But I, uh, but see, here's where I'm bad. Like, that is, that's a big, that's a big line, but yeah, be solid this year. And here's where, again, here's where I'm a bad better. I'm going to (laughs) take, like, because I just don't, I don't know. I mean, Tulane is, you know, at least a few touchdowns better than UMass. I'm going to take UMass to, 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 I'm going to take UMass with the points on like a, like a late garbage touchdown.
1: Yeah, I think UMass covers as well. I mean, they got a few transfers from a different, couple different places, and I watched a couple videos of their coaches and, on Twitter and stuff. That's not really the reason why I pick them, but it mm-hmm. looks like they got you know, they got a little mojo, they got a little energy, which is cool to see, and I think they'll cover um, mm-hmm. Memphis at Mississippi State, minus 15. I'm going to take Mississippi State because the coordinator for Duke is from, you know, coached at Memphis, so I'm not gonna pick them.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Kevin, I mean, yeah, it's you know, you're losing, you're losing a good offensive coordinator there and Kevin Johns, who like we said we'll see him Friday night down at down at Duke. I'll take Mississippi State as well.
1: And finally we have uh, SMU at North Texas, and SMU is a ten and a half point favorite. I'll let you go first here.
0: That's uh, a future, that's a future AAC. Game there, at North Texas is going to be joining the American, so it's kind of an intriguing,
1: That's a intriguing good match game there.
0: Um, I think for the sake of the for the sake of the future, of the American, I'd I'd love to see North Texas make that make that a game, which I think they I think they can, but I don't know. SMU's got some SMU still got some some pieces down there. I I think they, mm-hmm. you know. They could be really yeah, good. Tanner Mordecai is a good quarterback. They've still yeah, got, they some got
1: they're fast. I know it's you know it's an away game, but everything in Texas is the same to me. Yeah, um, I'm gonna take I, SMU shout out to former Temple graduate assistant Xavier Garcia, who's now graduate assistant at SMU. Oh, wow, okay. And, um, we actually have our former graduate assistant last couple years back with Rod. Um, Luke Shively's a graduate assistant at Duke now, okay. And wow. obviously our boy Dave Feely, who's now the, mm-hmm. the Duke strength stat strength coach, so we got some Temple connections against the Duke. Yeah. So yeah, I'll we take that. You want to take us some, you? Yeah, uh, I'll flip it. All right. So we got our eight picks, man. Good stuff. I think this was a uh, this was a good little one right here. And like I said, maybe we'll have a guest on to get some picks on for for, for uh, next week's
0: guest guest picker whoever guest picker. is better than me. I just I. I don't know i just i hem and haw about lines and i'm even in a, an ncaa tournament pool with like some friends who they don't pick the games outright they pick they they uh set up an ncaa tournament pool against the spread and i hate it Yeah, yeah because yeah. you're it's still awesome. like you set aside just enough time to go through and make your picks and you're like okay well i'm gonna plow through and like yeah kentucky's gonna win this game and then you're like oh are they gonna cover are they gonna mm-hmm. win by 24 in the first round and i get it that's what makes it fun. I'm just never good at it, but I don't know. Maybe this will be my year.
1: It might be, man. I can't wait to see. <laughs> All um, right, everybody. I'm fired up for Friday, bro. I'm fired up for yeah. Friday, Friday. Know, I know the temple faithful. Every time I click on Facebook, someone's writing a post about parking or did you get your tickets yet? Or where's the party or the tailgate? You know, so I know there'll be some temple faithful down there rooting the yeah. guys on. Just like I said, I mean, at the end of the day, my last words you, John, is just stay patient. Um, I know things haven't, you know, gone the way you you know we wanted them or you know, like I said I've been on that, those stats but you know I mean stay patient with these players because like I said they're busting their butts and you know they're gonna I think they're gonna you know give it all they got so it'll be interesting to see
0: yeah so again Temple at Duke season opener Friday night down in Durham Friday night 7.30 p.m. I will be there to cover the game for Al Scoop, and then I'll be back with Adam next week to talk about the game. Thanks for sticking with us for another episode. Thanks to Adam for, for joining me for another podcast, and we'll talk to you guys soon.